Hello, everybody. Welcome to this uh, emergency edition of UGA Sports Live. I guess we can call it that, or just call it a reaction, if you will. I got Jed May with me. I'm Roddy DeBolsey, the publisher of UGA Sports. Jed May is our recruiting slash team writer. Um, one of the best on staff, I guess. I was going to say in the business, but that's too much. Yeah, let's, let's, let's go with staff first. Then we can. Uh, staff under 30? Yeah, there you go. I'm under 30 still. Yeah. <laughs> Now, we're glad to have Jed on here. Uh, Jed, we were this morning. Uh, we were given the what we thought was the Georgia schedule, and uh, we kind of sat on it. That apparently leaked out somewhere else, and we're like, "Okay, well, you know, if it's going to leak out, and uh, we no, we're no longer trying to protect sources here at this point because somebody else has already put it out there, so we got to jump on it and uh, uh, put it out." I thought it was quite interesting when I first looked at this. I thought, "Holy hell!" Holy hell, this this is a murderer's row. But then the uh, more I looked at it, I'm like, hey, there's a couple very well-placed bye weeks in there. But uh, mm-hmm. let's bring it up on the screen for people who haven't seen it yet. Um, let me zoom in a little bit here. Give me your initial thoughts there. Yeah, well, like you said, we knew who the opponents were going to be. We knew, um, you know, which were home and which on the road. We knew Georgia was going to Alabama, to Texas, uh, to Ole Miss. But like you said, it, the when you actually see it on uh, paper, you know, Georgia has a bye week before the Alabama game. I'm sure Kirby Smart loves that. That four-game stretch right there, I think, it's at Alabama, Auburn at home, Mississippi State at home, at Texas. That's, you know, the last week of September and, um, you know, deep into October. And I think that's kind of your season-defining stretch because you book in that stretch with, you know, arguably, I guess, probably your two hardest games of the season if if Texas is – uh, anything close to what they were this year. Um, you get through that stretch, you've got the bye week, then you've got Florida, and then you finish at Ole Miss, and then your last three games are at home against Tennessee, UMass, and Georgia Tech. So um, early reaction, yeah, I mean, it's it's really tough. But like you said, those bye weeks, you know, I think if Kirby Smart drew up this schedule, he would want those bye weeks where they are. Because you get your feet wet, you know, you play Clemson and Atlanta in the Aflac uh, kickoff game, the, the artist formerly known as the Chick-fil-A kickoff game. Play Tennessee Tech in Athens, you play at Kentucky. So you get your feet wet, you get a conference game, you get a road game. Now, you know, Clemson is going to be a, a neutral site game, probably a 50 50, 60 40 crowd. Um, and, and then you, you hit the big time, you go Alabama, Auburn, Mississippi State, Texas. So, um, again, it's tough, but it's certainly, it's, it could have been worse. I'll say that. I mean, you, you could have thrown in like, you know, at Alabama. And then say a Tennessee, and then at Texas in a three-week span, something like that. It could have been and the real Dolphins fun. and the eighty-five Bears. And, yeah, exactly. Uh, it could have been uh, Manchester United. Yeah, could have could have been uh, a whole lot worse. So um, yeah, again, I think the season-defining stretch is is that stretch in the middle. And you and you look at it. Okay, I mean, if you split Alabama and Texas, at least. I mean, you look at, I, I don't see any other game where Georgia would be an underdog. I mean, maybe the the at Ole Miss game would, maybe not an underdog, but, um, you know, pretty close you're, points. You're a single-digit favorite there, and it's going to be yeah. probably like five and a half, something like and that. And, you know, that'll be the, the 330 game, whatever the marquee TV slot is, maybe a night game. Like, that one's going to be tough. But other than that, I mean, you're, you're favored in – and. I mean, there's a good, a decent chance you're favored maybe against Alabama and Texas too. There's obviously, it's obviously so far away. We, we don't really know, but um, if you split those games, you, um, and you, you win all the rest, which again is, is a lot easier said than done. You're 11 and one. You're 
probably in the SEC championship game, I would imagine, and um, and looking good to be in a 12-team playoff. So uh, it's so far away, but again, it's it's going to be – if you're a Georgia fan that's going to get season tickets and, and go on these road trips, this is a a heck of a um, you know road trip season with at Alabama, top five game probably, at Texas, first conference game. They're as Georgia – I don't know if Georgia's ever played in Austin. That's a, a Patrick question, but um, and then at Ole Miss is a great road trip. So um, cool schedule. Yeah, just, cool I know schedule. why you want to go to Ole Miss. Don't lie, man. Come on. I've never been to Ole Miss. I'm honestly, I'm Ole Miss. I think is probably the road trip I'm excited about most, just because it's a traditional SEC place. It's somewhere Georgia's never been, or somewhere I've never been. Excuse me, covering Georgia. Um, and listen, Kirby Smart has has. I know he went to Ole Miss that first year in Athens and got smoked. Um, like 40, yeah, yeah. it was 31, nothing at the half, or whatever. So, yeah, it was, it was, that was rough. So, uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. Obviously, it's a 16 team league. Uh, two bye weeks is a part of that. This could be the last of the uh, eight conference game schedules as far as the SEC goes. So, I, I don't see them going to nine. With, I mean, when you look at this, you're like, what? who the hell wants to add another SEC game in that schedule? Again, I just I don't see it happen. I know a lot of people are pushing for it, but this is what we heard uh, back in the uh, from folks in the SEC office. They said, "Oh yeah, back in the spring meetings, everyone was saying eight or nine, eight or nine. Maybe we needed to do nine. Then the list of opponents came out, and everyone mm-hmm. said, "Hell no, we're not doing nine. So I think you're going to see a lot of pushback. And I think that uh, Chris Callahan has a great point here. The biggest difference between this year and next year, ten and two, you can make the playoffs now. Exactly. You can afford these harder schedules. So if you're looking at that going, oh, my God, they might have a loss here and two losses, a 10-2 and two Georgia team gets into the playoffs, no question. Well, and, and to, to Chris's point, like I said a minute ago, if you if you win every game, you split Alabama and Texas, with how that schedule has gone, like let's say you rematch with Alabama in the SEC championship, you're probably in the playoff even if you lose. And you're 10-2 and yeah. two with wins over Texas and Ole Miss and Tennessee. Um, you know, Auburn should probably be better than they were this year. Um, Mississippi State really couldn't be much worse than they were this year. Like, I don't think they went to a bowl game. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's like you said, 12 team playoff changes the entire calculus where one loss, one loss doesn't kill you. And if you play a schedule like this, really, even two losses don't kill you. Yeah, they, they, to me, the landmines in this, uh, there, there's three. Um, that Clemson game right off the bat. And I mean, Clemson's not Clemson of old, but they're still. First week of the season, you don't know what you're getting at them. They're changing stuff around, and you're changing stuff around. Uh, mm-hmm. Georgia could lose a starting quarterback, two starting running backs, uh, four offensive linemen, top two wide receivers, you know, definitely mm-hmm. top tight end, uh, four uh, defensive linemen, senior defensive linemen on the front. I mean, you could be re- – people. every time I say rebuilding, people lose their damn minds, reloading your Georgia football team. Now, some of those guys may come back. We'll talk about that in a minute. But my point is uh, don't just assume that, oh, well, Georgia's going to go out there and kick Clemson's ass. That's that's a tough game. I remember the last time that you beat them, it, it took a Chris Smith uh, pick six to beat them. Granted, that was at a neutral location as well. But my point is uh, it's a little bit trickier. Then you got, you're got going at Kentucky. That could be a very tough place to play. And guess who you're going to be facing in week one more than likely? Brock Vandegrift. Yep. He's pretty good. So uh, you got to go to Kentucky in week three when you're trying to get, you know, maybe you're breaking in a new quarterback, maybe not. Maybe you're still trying to get your feet and you got to go on the road at Kentucky. That's going to be tough. But week four at Alabama, that's going to be, that's going to be, that's a tough one there. I'm with you. 
that then, um, is, is interesting if I could just jump in on that for a sec because usually Georgia obviously plays them usually later in the year in Kentucky. Yeah. It's it's oh, um, we can do we can bet the horses. Yeah. See, uh, I've been waiting for Kentucky to be further in the season because it used to be we would all go up to Kentucky, we'd go to uh Neyland uh racetrack on Friday, bet the ponies all day, and buy you know, some guys would go do like a, a bourbon tour. We'd bet horses all day Friday and then go cover the game Saturday. It was great. But then they moved it to the end of the season and it was too cold. The horses didn't run. So mm-hmm. so best can- news of the day, Kentucky early. I haven't Sorry, I don't interrupt you. I just got so excited about it. No, you're good. I haven't found anywhere that has Kentucky's full schedule. They open with Southern Miss in Lexington. Um, so it looks like their second game before Georgia will be a conference game of some kind. It just this what I'm looking at doesn't have the dates on here yet. Um, but you know, when you're playing a team like I said, new quarterback, I'm sure there'll be more pieces coming into Lexington, whether transfer portal, freshman, whatever. It might be better to catch Kentucky earlier in the year while they're still trying to get, uh, you know, Brock Vandegrift's, um, you know, footing under him and everything like that. And you look at these conference schedules, like say they play, um, you know, like Vanderbilt's on the schedule. Say they play Vanderbilt week two. Yeah. Playing Vanderbilt week two and Georgia week three is a much different, you know, animal. Now, Texas is on here. If they play at Texas week two, then that's, Vandergriff maybe is a little more up to speed. So it's going to be interesting how things, yeah, you know, Missouri, they play at, at Florida, honestly, could be a good um, one to slot in there just because they usually play Florida kind of early in the year. They have, they play Ohio September 21st. So that week is already accounted for. So yeah, honestly, it could be at Florida, which again, you have a road game, you have a pretty good defense, great environment down in Florida. So um, it's going to be interesting to see where Kentucky comes into that game. But then, like you said, you know, Kirby Smart always says, hey, Kentucky's one of the most physical teams we play. This bye week here is huge to get get some time off, rest up, you know, whatever sprained ankles or, you know, the, the tightrope surgery of the month, uh, have some time to heal there, and then you go into Tuscaloosa for the big one on uh, September 28th. Yeah, uh, Bama also has a bye week before facing Georgia. So, Oh, well, there you go. And I imagine Florida probably has a bye week before facing uh, Georgia as well. Yeah. So uh, it's going to be very interesting. Speaking of Bama, there's a lot of questions here. Uh, why do we have to go to Bama all the time? You know, uh, come to our house. And uh, somebody else pointed out that this is the second time. The last time Georgia and Alabama played in the regular season, Georgia went to uh, Tuscaloosa. Uh, Luke, Luke Howe mentioned, such why do they have us going to Tuscaloosa back to back? Yeah, it's bullshit. I mean, it is. Call it what, yeah, call it, what it is. Uh, I know part of it is how many home games you're supposed to get um, from week to week with this new thing working out. But if there's a way that Georgia could be screwed, it's happened. You saw it happen with the in the uh, rankings. No number one team has ever lost in the final week and dropped as far as Georgia has. Georgia dropped five spots. The three other conference teams have lost their games, and they all got blown out pretty much. They felt they fell a combined four spots. Georgia fell five. So, again, if there's a way that Georgia can be screwed on this, and I'm not trying to get into conspiracy theories. I'm just telling the folks that are like, man, why is it always us? It is you. You, you, don't have you I didn't know they made Masters hats out of tinfoil. Right? It's, it's really yeah, nice. I'm, I'm just telling you, Georgia does not have the pull that would have gotten – you couldn't have gone and stood on the table and said, hey, look, the last time Georgia played was at Tuscaloosa. If we're doing a schedule, they need to come to Athens. Just to play, uh, to play Sankey's advocate for a minute, the last regular season meeting before 2020 was, I think, the 2015 game, right? 
in Athens. So I think, I don't know. I think when you look at it, like the 2020 schedule obviously was, was such a, a, a crapshoot with the COVID and it came together late and, and not like, I think that is, is, I don't know if that season can be looked at in the context of any other, you know, who you played before or who you played after. Well, uh, now, to me, I see your point, but at the same time, that's what you did. You went. It's true. Yeah. You you so I don't care what the circumstances were. Uh, apparently, if you have an injured quarterback, you don't get to play for national championship. So if we're going to, you know, if any random uh, thing can pop up and it affects your chances of playing, it needs to be taken into consideration. Like, look, you know, you played, you went to their house last time. Let them come to yours. But again, that's neither here nor there. I'm not going to, it's done. Uh, all bets are off with this new schedule. I mean, and who would have known that Georgia probably lost their chance for a three-peat the day that uh, the SEC committee came out and said, hey, you guys can't play Oklahoma this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that may have ruined your entire season or your, your chance to win a championship. A, a quick uh, reschedule tweak, and that might have been what broke the camel's back. You, I mean, you beat all your teams. So, anyway, uh, give me your thoughts on um, the, the kind of the Ole Miss-Tennessee thing there because those were kind of – very highly ranked teams when Georgia played them this year. What do you think about them restocking, changing? I mean, uh, are they ranked teams when Georgia plays them uh, towards the end there? Ole Miss probably is. I just honestly, I mean, they'll have Quinshawn Judkins back, I know, or unless he enters the portal, which, you know, who knows. But um, that, I mean, and that's, that's a pretty tricky – it's one of those ones where, like, you look – because this year played out the same as last year because everyone dumped on Georgia's schedule at the start of this year, and then you get to November, and it's, you know, top 12 Missouri, top 10 Ole Miss, and then Tennessee was the one that was kind of uh, an afterthought almost when they got to Knoxville. So um, that's By that point, but to start November, they they looked pretty good. Yeah. So, you know, Tennessee is going to be interesting because I, I don't – know what their quarterback situation is i don't know i mean joe milton's got to be working on his fourth or fifth degree um i don't know if he a has any eligibility left if he's entering the portal um but then you know you've got nico uh iyama lieva right behind him who is you know the all world everything so um it'll be interesting to see if if he's if he starts to begin the year obviously but if he's starting um by the time that game comes around in uh, November, because obviously Tennessee will have played Alabama by then. They'll have played, let's see who else Tennessee has on their schedule. Go to old trusty FBS schedules here if they have any marquee uh, non-conference games lined up. Let's... Well, while, you're checking, while you're checking that, I'm going to mention the answer Brian's uh, schedule. What is the Bama schedule? Uh, he says, I see they're playing the Sisters of the Poor in the Academy of the Blind. <laughs> Maybe uh, here's the thing: we don't know what theirs is. This schedule was supposed not co- was not supposed to come out until next week. We got a uh, a heads up on it this morning. I'm like okay, uh, and again, it was a situation where look, sometimes you get privileged information and you have to sit on it until you can confirm it some other way or um, uh, find a way to protect your sources so you can't run with it immediately because sometimes it's only one or two people that know it, and if you publish it, then if one person didn't give it to you and the only other person who knows it. Uh, and that's the one, you know, so uh, we were waiting and all of a sudden it kind of leaked, uh, leaked out and we put it on here, but here's the thing. It has not done it for all the schools. This is right. Uh, so I had to, I notified a bunch of our other publishers go, by the way, here's when Georgia faces Alabama. Here's when mm-hmm. Georgia faces Kentucky. And they're all, Hey, thanks for letting us know. Cause at least it, they can plug in one on their schedule. 
Tennessee's got a few in here. So they start off at Chattanooga and Knoxville, and then they have a three-game or four-game stretch where they play North NC State in the Dukes Classic in Charlotte, like Kent State at home. Then they play at Oklahoma. Or no, okay, sorry, this Florida game is October. So three-game stretch, North Carolina State, solid program, neutral site, uh, Kent State, and then at Oklahoma. So we're going to know a lot about Tennessee probably in those first three or four weeks of the season because there's, I mean, a non-zero chance they come out of that stretch, two and two, depending on um, how NC State looks. Like I know there you've got a lot of portal stuff going on um, as well. So and, and Oklahoma at Oklahoma, that – I wonder if that's Oklahoma's first uh, – yeah, looking at Oklahoma's schedule – that's going to be Oklahoma's first SEC game because Oklahoma opens with Temple, Houston, and uh, Tulane, according to FBSSchedules.com. So Tennessee walking into – I mean, we saw how tough that was for Georgia in 2012 when you go into a place, first conference game. It's it's a it's a buzzsaw no matter who the opponent is. And obviously Oklahoma is a team that took a big step forward this year. They don't have a quarterback currently with Dylan Gabriel, so they got to figure that out. But – um, as far as Alabama, they play Western Kentucky. They get a return game from South Florida and then they play. So, um, you, Roddy, you mentioned that Alabama has a bye before they play Georgia. They also, their game two weeks before is at Wisconsin at Camp Randall. So that is an interesting one. Um, don't see SEC teams go up there very much. So, but again, that's a program that's traditionally, very physical. They want to run the ball. Um, it's not going to be cold yet. So that's that's yeah. the time to go up there is in September. So uh, let's see. This has Alabama playing. So Alabama ends the season, it looks like. They play at Oklahoma, and then they play uh, Auburn in Tuscaloosa. That's how they end the season. So actually, I take that back. Their last, last four games at LSU, Mercer at home, obviously, at Oklahoma, and then Auburn at home. So that's a tough four-game stretch. Uh, for Alabama to uh, to close things out there, yeah. and I guess uh, Milrose coming back for next year, so um, should, should be quite the interesting run for them. Uh, get, you were talking about my conspiracy theory. Um, I do remember Georgia when they moved stuff around. Georgia had to play at Auburn back to back years, mm-hmm. and then uh, Auburn's like, "Hey, we hate playing uh, Alabama and Georgia in like back to back weeks. Can you move that?" Sure. Whatever you need, Auburn. Screw Georgia over, but hey, that, that doesn't matter. Georgia, Georgia never complains. They'll be fine. So, anyway, again, uh, if there's a way for it to uh, happen and Georgia gets screwed, it will be. Thank you. I like the Wisconsin equals Academy for the Blind down here. That's pretty funny. What did they do this year? I wonder. Wisconsin, I'm old enough to remember when Wisconsin was good and you didn't want to yeah, face them and Ron Dane and all, you know, Melvin back, Gordon, running, running Ronnie Ball. Yeah. A lot of uh, a lot of uh, fantasy running backs I've cycled through over the years out <laughs> of Wisconsin. So they are seven and five this year, five and four in the old Big Ten. So they lost to Washington State. They lost a fifteen to six thriller against Iowa. Uh, they had a three game losing streak here. Where they lost to Ohio State, Indiana, and Northwestern. Is kind of what sank their season here. So uh, yeah, they play they play LSU in their bowl game actually. So there's a little bit of SEC tie in. So. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, you go off that. And that Texas game, again, is – I wonder what Texas's schedule looks like because that is going to be – and, again, we don't know, Roddy, correct? Like with the ESPN, you know, the SEC on CBS, we don't know what the quote-unquote number one game 
time slot is going to be. I right? don't. I never pay attention to that stuff. I just find out. Like what we don't know if they'll keep it at three thirty or if it'll be a night game or uh, or whatever. So Texas, Texas open or sorry, Texas plays Colorado State week one. Then they play at Michigan week two. Now that's, that's that big, that could be a uh, a national championship rematch there in week two. That's, well, that, that's my point. Uh, don't don't get off your thought, but I, I've I've thought of this three times and I keep forgetting to say it. George goes on the road, and somebody mentioned playing uh, at Alabama and at Texas. So you start out with at Kentucky, which is going to be tough. Your next road game is at Alabama, incredibly tough. Then you're going to play at Texas, and then at Ole Miss. So that's four road games that are just uh, ridiculous. But having to play at Alabama and at Texas, that could be a national title. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're playing two of the four teams in the playoffs, mm-hmm. although you should be ahead of both of them in the playoffs, but that's neither here nor there. But uh, that this is a tough, tough schedule. But uh, continue about uh, Texas. What else have we got for uh, close the ad? Texas has Texas has got a big. Oh, I'm on Oklahoma. I don't even know. I don't even know where I am anymore. Okay, Texas. I saw today, by the way, that Texas and Oklahoma signed a deal to keep the uh, Red River game at the Cotton Bowl for a long time. So that's cool. I tell you, uh, the, the Georgia Florida game is not moving out of Jacksonville anytime soon. And yeah. I was the one who wrote what last year, year before. It's gone. Boy, I found out there's some people down there that are going to hold on that game. Come so hell or high water. If we're looking at Texas's road schedule, granted Texas has a game at Michigan, but Texas's road schedule in the league, you play at Arkansas. Who was one of the worst teams in the league this year? You yeah. play at Win. Vanderbilt. When you play uh, at Texas A&M on the last weekend of the season. When and granted, now you play. Looking at the schedule, I'm guessing that this the Oklahoma game is technically a road game for Texas, uh, but obviously that's at the Cotton Bowl in Dallas. So um, they got home games with Georgia, Florida, Kentucky, and Mississippi State. So if you're Texas. If you pull an upset over, and you know, granted Texas could end up favored, whatever. But if you beat Georgia in Austin on October nineteenth, and all of a sudden you're looking at the rest of the schedule, thinking we could, we could run the table here. Especially, you know, Quinn Ewers might come back. There's all that kind of smoke. Um, you know, there's that's a very. They certainly didn't do Texas dirty uh, their first year in the league. I'll, uh, I'll uh, say dude, that. The, and yeah, I'm telling you, Texas is going to come into the league, and they're going to have the same pull that Alabama does. The pecking order, if you will, is going to be Texas and Alabama at the top, then Georgia, LSU, and everybody else a step below them, and then you get down to the South Carolinas and Kentuckys and uh, Ole Misses and such. But when it comes to – I mean, they bring a giant market. And Oklahoma will probably be on that same uh, level that Georgia is, but the the conference will acquiesce to Texas and Alabama. That's just their, that's their two marquee teams. And, again, I'm not saying just because of uh, where they're at in the playoffs this year. I'm just saying when you have that much clout and clout matters, you know, it's not the uh, uh, classes you take, it's the hands you shake. And that's, mm-hmm. they shake some big hands. So. Oklahoma has road trips to Auburn, which, you know, weird things happen over there. As, as we all know, they go to, to LSU, they go to Missouri and they play um, at Ole Miss as well. So uh, pretty, that's a, a fairly tough. And again, I think this Texas game is a home game for Oklahoma. Uh, just kind of doing the math here. So uh, they've got home games with Tennessee, Alabama, Oklahoma, Alabama. November is going to be awesome, especially because it's. Pro- I would imagine it's it's pretty cold in Oklahoma that time of year. Uh, that's that's going to be cool. Um, let's see, home with Tennessee, Alabama, 
and South Carolina. So um, now if you look at Georgia's home schedule, because everyone says, you know, everybody makes a big deal. What home games does Georgia get? Georgia's yeah, what are home games? Uh, I mean, Tennessee Tech is a wash. UMass is a wash. Um, you know, Auburn and Mississippi State back-to-back. You know, Auburn obviously is is the rivalry. It's back in October, which it's it's not November, but it's it's better than September anyway. Uh, where that game belongs in November. Uh, Mississippi State, you know, the, things are kind of up in the air with them. Uh, with Jeff Levy taking over. Now, if they get a Dylan Gabriel or some big-name transfer quarterback, that could be interesting to watch. And then you get uh, Tennessee and Georgia Tech at home in November, which Tennessee, again, don't know exactly what they're going to look like. And then Georgia Tech, listen, man, I like what Brent Key is doing at Georgia Tech. I think he is doing uh, a very good job there. You know, they played Georgia. And, you know, remember, they played Georgia pretty tough last year for about two and a half, three quarters and, um, you know, put up a good fight this year as well. So, um, yeah, but Georgia sat four starters and that's gave true. them 14 I'm not, points. I'm, not, I'm, I'm with you, though. But no, this is this is not, uh, not a rollover joke. Yeah, exactly. It's not a rollover joke like it was for probably, what, three, four years there. So um, as, as far as home schedules go, you know, that's pretty solid. Uh, I, I can't weird. imagine. Go ahead. Obviously, I can't imagine what Athens is going to be like at some point when Texas and Oklahoma make their first trips. That's going to be. That's going to be awesome. I wonder if Roddy, if you want to, I'm going to see if Georgia what the series history is with those two. Because since uh, Patrick's not here to know these things, while, while you're looking that up real quick, I want to point out. I mean, in September, you get one home game, Tennessee Tech, because you go you play in at Clemson, Atlanta, you get Tennessee Tech, then you go at Kentucky, then it's a bye week, and you go to at Alabama. So uh, to start the season, you get on the September 7th as your one home game for Georgia. Uh, then after you uh, come back from Alabama, you get Auburn and Mississippi State, which is you know, should be pretty good. Uh, good contest there. Then, again, you're gone. You go at Texas, bye week at Florida, go down to Jacksonville. And uh, I'm sorry, and then you go at Ole Miss. So there's another month, you know, between uh, home games. So you had the one home game, then two home games, and then three, Tennessee, UMass, and Georgia Tech. So not a uh, – Great schedule, but I mean, at least you got Tennessee, Auburn, and uh, Mississippi State at home. So Georgia, Texas have played five times. Georgia is one and four. They played a home and home in 1957, 1958. The Georgia version of that was played in Atlanta. I don't know where exactly that would have been. 1957, maybe. Um, yeah, I'm sure. Maybe I'm sure it wasn't uh, Bobby Dodd somewhere else in Atlanta. Uh, Georgia lost 26 to seven. And then they went to Austin the next year and lost 13 to 8. So, um, and then Georgia, they played in uh, I'm, what I'm assuming is the Orange Bowl in Miami in 1948. They played in, of course, the, the 10 to 9 Cotton Bowl in 1983. And then they played in the Sugar Bowl. Time a few years is ago. When, uh, 10 to 9, exactly, Roddy. And then uh, they played in the Cotton Bowl uh, after that 2018 season in New Orleans, Texas won 28 21. Now, Oklahoma, uh, Georgia, they've only met one time. And of course, that was the Rose Bowl. After the 2017 season, when Georgia won 54-48, so when Oklahoma and Texas eventually come to Athens, both will be making their first trips uh, to Athens, and Georgia will be making its second trip to Austin. Or I guess that's this year. Georgia will be making its second trip to Austin, and uh, first trip to Norman. Uh, you know, whenever that eventually happens, could have happened this year, but uh, it did not. Um, All right, so uh, let's. I think we've kind of exhausted the uh, talk there about the schedule. Let's talk about who might be playing these games. Uh, who do you think leaves early for the NFL? 
Well, it's hard to imagine Brock Bowers doesn't leave early. Um, you know, we we've heard a lot about how tough like this is this is not this is not a thing that's been a foregone conclusion for him since the start of the year. You know, we've talked to people close to him and they're like, man, he just he really genuinely loves it here. He loves his his teammates, his friends. It it would be really hard on him to pass up another year with those guys because Bowers is a guy he lost his senior year of high school in California due to COVID. So uh, those things mean a lot to him, and I think it's going to weigh into his decision. But at the end of the day, I think Kirby Smart and Todd Hartley are going to tell him, dude, we appreciate it. We we get what you're saying. Uh, do the smart thing and go pro. Like Go, go yeah. to the combine, blow it up, and go be a top 10 pick. Um, I think he goes – I think Ladd McConkey goes. Um, he's just – I he, he has dealt with so many injuries that I think he should go and, and cash in now. Um, you know, you mentioned the defensive linemen are going to be going. Smile Mondin and Jamon Dubas Johnson have decisions to make. Javon Bullard has a decision to make. Um, Kamari Lester has a decision to make, but I think he probably goes. He could end up being a uh, a first round, early second round pick. Um, but the big one is Carson Beck, and that's the one that's been up in the air. You know, Brock, Brock Vandergriff going in the portal was kind of raising my brows and saying, "Oh, like does does he know something we don't?" Um, you know, you you posted a note on the board earlier today that it, it's there's momentum building for for Beck to maybe come back, and obviously it, it goes without saying that would be huge, right? Because if if Beck leaves, then you're going to go uh, bebopping into Atlanta on August 31st, starting with Gunnar Stockton making his first or you you bring in a transfer guy, say, and and he's making his first career start with this team, so. Um, Carson Beck is definitely the uh, the preferable scenario to those two. And again, you got so many road like the road environments you're going to be going in. Kentucky is going to be crazy. Alabama's nuts. Texas nuts. Um, Ole Miss is probably going to be nuts. Like having Carson Beck there, who has dealt with playing at Auburn, has dealt with playing at Tennessee, um, would be would be huge, especially when you're replacing you know Cedric Van Pran and uh, Marius Mims. Uh, Xavier Trust, yeah, Xavier Trust. Uh, maybe Tate Ratledge, maybe uh, you know a Marcus Rosemi who is is the leader. Kendall Milton, Dejon Edwards. Like you're, you're replacing so much, especially on that side of the ball, that uh, having a quarterback return would be uh, absolutely huge. So, um, that would be that would be the big one, I think, if he ends up coming back. Which again, it it's starting to smoke signals are coming out that that might be the direction he ends up taking is coming back for another year, continuing to learn, continuing to get better. And, um, and then go to the NFL draft, the, the 2025 uh, NFL draft. All right. So we put a note on the board at UGA sports. Like this is why you should be a member of UGA sports. Cause you get the news first. You got, you found out about the schedule first. You found out about some other stuff. Uh, everything that we see is pointing towards, uh, uh, Carson Beck coming back to speak. The people we've spoken to in and around butts mirror say that, they believe he's coming back. He has not made it official. He's not made an announcement. And as you pointed out, Brock Vandegrift said, you know, decided to go to Kentucky or decided to transfer regardless of what uh, Carson Beck's decision was. So that, you know, according to his dad this morning, that lets us know that, you know, that didn't weigh into it. But if you get Carson Beck back, now, someone hit me up a little while ago and said, hey, I hear that Lad McConkey's thinking about staying. I'm like, uh, this would be shocking, but because uh, he could have gone last year. But if mm-hmm. he does, so be it. There's a possibility Tate Rattles comes back, which would also surprise the hell out of me. Marius Mims, no, nah, he's gone. And as you said, Brock Bowers, we, again, we've, we mentioned this on the uh, post-game show. We do have a story in our admin that we haven't run yet because I just don't have the balls to do it. 
I mean, let's <laughs> let's let's be honest. It's uh, we've got a story written in there that you've put together where you spoke to people who talk about how hard a decision it is for Brock Bowers to leave. I even had somebody tell me that uh, you know he's was looking to apply to grad school. You know, yeah. it's like with Roquan Smith. Roquan Smith renewed his lease in Athens to come back for a senior year, and Kirby Smart's like, "Get the hell out of here! Go to the pros and be." You know, go lead that. So he's going to weigh on what uh, the coaches tell him. The coaches are going to tell him to go. But he wants to have that senior year. He wants to do it with all his buddies. But now with Brock Vandegrift going to Kentucky, mm-hmm. one of his best friends, I think that's the straw that breaks the camel's back. But it, it will have been a tough decision for him. He really was, loves the idea of coming back and playing for Georgia. But if you can get Carson Beck back, uh, if you could get Tate Radlich back, You've already got a starting left guard. I mean, left tackle. You've got a couple starting left guards. You've got Monroe Freeling. You can put out there at right tackle. All you're really now worried about is a center. And all these road games become a thousand times easier because you can run the ball. So um, they're looking at that uh, London Humphreys kid, that wide receiver. He comes in. That replaces, uh, you know, a uh, uh, Marcus Rosemary Jack Saint, you know, so – you, it is a tough schedule, and you are rebuilding. But if you could get some of those guys to come back now, Kamari Lasseter, I expect to go. Javon Bullard, probably. I'm not sure there. Um, defensively, who else do you think leaves early on the defense? I mean, I'm curious what Al Munden. I'm curious what him and and Dumas Johnson do, just because neither one. I think both would tell you neither one had the greatest year. Um, they've both been been dinged up for a lot of the year. A lot of due to injury, right? I'm curious if one or both of those guys come back because we've seen, you know, CJ Allen is a stud star in the making. Raylan Wilson is a guy who came on at the end of the year after he hyperextended his knee in camp. Jalen Walker is 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 so good at multiple positions they don't even know where to put him at. So um, it's curious to see what happens there because you could be looking at all of a sudden a room that's got Dumas Johnson, Mondin, Allen, Wilson, uh, Walker, and then you've got the three freshmen coming in with Chris Cole. Christopher Jones and uh, Justin. Well, Justin Williams is a stud. He's five-star number one linebacker in the country. So, um, if you can keep Texas from poaching him, yeah, I think, I think Mondin is is probably would be a higher NFL draft pick. Not to say he's necessarily more likely to go than than Dumas Johnson. Um, it, it those are two. Um, pivot points i guess you could say on the yeah. defense but those guys go and you've got a lot of younger guys playing next year or they stay and you've just got a ridiculously deep talented room where maybe you maybe you use a chris cole in a hybrid role like jalen walker you know maybe you move jalen walker to edge full time like there's a lot of different things that could happen based on what uh mond and dumas johnson there do there in the middle and then there's all the rumors about michael williams and usc so there's a, there's a lot that can happen. Georgia does need help on the D-line. There's a question. There's a thought, thought on the Aggies uh, D-linemen that are in the portal. And I'm I'm going to pour some cold water on this. I don't think Georgia's going after Walter no- Nolan or LT Overton. I just don't see it happening. I also don't see uh, Walter Nolan ending up here. I mean, Overton would make – Oh, I think it, Overton would theoretically be more likely than Nolan. Um, but, yeah, I'd, I would be – I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, you look at and Trent and um, Lance mentioned this on Rumors versus Facts the other night. If Deion Walker from Kentucky ends up in the portal, Kirby will Kirby do will like, drive to go get him. Whatever it takes to get that dude, because Kirby wanted him bad. 
at a high school. Um, you know, I've, I've got it was in his recruitment for a long time. It was Georgia and Michigan were kind of the two. And then he, I can't remember if he committed That's to right. Michigan, flipped or what, but he obviously ended up at Kentucky. Not all about that. But that relationship with Georgia definitely goes back uh, to his recruitment. So, um, yeah. Um, but you know, I mean, Chase Basantis from A and M is an offensive lineman that went in today. Georgia was in it deep in his recruitment. Like A and M's got guys jumping in left and right, um, which with the new coach isn't isn't you know shocking, I guess. But um, yeah, I don't think they end up with Walter Nolan. I think there's a slightly better chance that they get LT Overton. Um, I don't think they're going after either one personally. Yeah, it's I I I don't personally see it with either one either. Well, remember they don't have a ton of spots. Yeah. Well, you're. I mean, I just wrote a story on this today. You're bringing in five freshmen, so, um, yeah, that's that's, you know, you got Logue leaving, Stackhouse, Wall Tower, uh, Brinson, Brinson, yeah. So, I mean, you're you're it's it's pretty close to a one for one, freshman and senior. Yeah, you got four seniors. You bring yeah. in some transfer guys. You know, by maybe two, maybe 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 three, and then you know, like you said, you don't have a whole lot of spots, uh, open there. Yeah, so you got four uh, transfers. I mean, four seniors leaving, one transfer. CJ Madden is kind of that outside linebacker who could play D line because he got so big. Mm-hmm. Um, you're right; it's it, it gets tight. So, uh, again, you find room. Well, like Trevor Etienne, the Florida running back, if he goes in the portal or Rocket, you know, people are talking about him. You've got three scholarship running backs on the ro- on the roster with uh, Edwards and uh, Milton leaving. You get three coming in. That's six. You're not going to go seven, eight running backs. But if you can get uh, Etienne or Rocket, yeah, now you take him. Then all of a sudden, the, the other kids look around and go, "Wow, man, uh, I'm not going to get a lot of playing time here." You just let them uh, portal out. So, all right. Uh, last bit of uh, housekeeping here. It's something we kind of uh, mentioned before. A lot of coaching rumors out there. Doesn't feel as crazy this year as it has the last two. It doesn't feel as like as many. Uh, I guess I don't say that it doesn't feel like there's many openings or the openings were open so quickly and close so quickly. We haven't heard a lot of the Georgia guys' names being bandied about. Or is there a story out there that I'm not paying attention to that uh, Georgia needs to be watching? Yeah, I mean, Brian McClendon has been the one, and you mentioned this in your note earlier today, the, the Pittsburgh, uh, University of Pittsburgh, offensive coordinator opening. Um Interviewed for it, it sounds like isn't isn't one of the serious finalists there. Um, but yeah, like you said, I mean Trey Scott, I think it was last I think year. Was you, for, you, you, go ahead. I was gonna say Trey Scott, I think was last year was in the running for um, an Arkansas defensive coordinator job. Glenn Schumann with the Eagles, which obviously the NFL season's still going, so that's that's its own uh, set of circumstances there. But yeah, it hasn't. Obviously, Fran Brown has left, and and they're looking to bring in a guy there, but. Other than that, yeah, it's it's not a whole lot of, of Georgia coaches really connected to stuff. And you, and you think about, you know, your offensive coordinator is Mike Bobo. Like, where is Mike Bobo going to go? He's the OC at his alma mater. Uh, Will Muschamp is the Cody C at his alma mater. So you don't really think those guys are going to leave um, unless they're just, just – I mean, it would have to be a head coaching job, I'm sure, and they're just blown away by. So – and then the other guys, yeah, it just hasn't um, – you know, for whatever reason, less openings, quicker closing openings, whatever. Um, hasn't been a whole lot of uh, interest in the Georgia guys other than, like you said, Brian McClendon. Uh, interview. Yeah, well, I think a lot of it just has to do with, I mean, the job openings. It seems like last year there were a lot more. And the, that COVID year, God, it was ridiculous. Like, it's COVID year. You only played 10 games and all these jobs opened up. So, um, but yeah, very interesting there. 
Tony LaPayne. I know Tony LaPayne very well. It says, who's playing for in the Orange Bowl for UGA? Uh, let me roll that into this question for Phil, Phil Rogers as well. It says, when will the bowl practice start and when will uh, George arrive in Miami? George arrives in Miami on the 26th. They have practice on the 27th. They'll do a walkthrough on the 26th, but their first like real practice in Miami is on the 27th. I think they had their first practice today, if I'm not mistaken. I'm pretty sure it was Wednesday, and I don't know to what extent it was. You know, they met Sunday and got the schedule for the rest of the week. They probably had some lifts and things, but I think the first uh, real practice was today. That's just an educated guess on my part. Uh, I think today we need we'll find out more, Tony, about who's actually going to play in it. You know, Marius Mims had to come out of the game uh, on the second drive, which changed the entire outcome of the SEC championship game. If he's banged up, I can see him saying, look, I'm already going to the NFL. I'm a top 15 pick. And here's the thing, guys. The number one question, and I'm sure Jed got him. Jed went to cover the uh, NFL Combine last year up in Indianapolis. I was there as well. I get You get scouts. You get people asking you, hey, when so-and-so was hurt, how bad was it? Do you know what it was? Do you know what the diagnosis was? And we, and we get calls about what happened to them in high school. Mm-hmm. Hey, when uh, so-and-so was in high school and he didn't play in the uh, state championship game, why was that? What was the injury? How bad was it? They look these guys over like they're thoroughbred horses, you know, and they're just looking for anything that could disqualify them. So you really want to go into the NFL combine as healthy as possible because, I mean, Jeb was there when he waited, what was it, three hours for a guy to show up and he was just locked up in the medical unit because they only had like one MRI machine and everybody was getting MRIs on everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it, it was. I was. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it, it, once you get once you get later in the week, it's uh, it's it's a crapshoot if those guys are showing up. Yeah, and again, a lot of that is because they're being poked and prodded for medical reasons. So, uh, this there could be a lot of guys. Anybody that might have any twinge or ding or something, I could see them sitting out because they want to be as healthy as possible for the combine, even though it's months down the road. You want to be able to, and again, you also have these private workouts. You have these pro days. You have these, uh, you know, they invite you to the, hey, come to, come to our camp. I mean, come to our campus, our workout facility and work out for us. So that happens. Hey, uh, Joshua Ivy says, I've been following you on Spotify at work. Didn't even know he was following us on Facebook. Good. So Tony says, yeah, they're a commodity. They are, you know, and these people are investing a ton of money into them. Millions. And you, and of course, if I'm a college football player and I have a hairline fracture somewhere, I'm going to be damn sure to do my best to hide it. So, and they know that. Uh, we're going to one last thing here. Um, transfer portal. Uh, what was the news today? How many new guys are in there? Uh, today is just uh, Nylon Green. Defense back Nylon Green has gone in. Um, you know, reserve defense. He played in 23 games the last two years, mostly in uh, special teams, backup DB. Um, you know, it's it's a loss to secondary depth. Um, but again, you know, you figure Dalen Everett and Julian Humphrey are probably the the two, I guess, leaders in the clubhouse for starting corner spots next year. Um, assuming Kamari Lester leaves, then you've got AJ Harris, you've got Daniel Harris, you've got Ellis Robinson coming in, who is a the number one corner in the country. So um, you know, Nyland has been here for three years. He's kind of like Jackson Meeks, like he's He's seen action occasionally. He's played really well on special teams, and now he's going to go, um, you know, find greener pastures and, and get those cornerback uh, opportunities that he's been looking for. So um, that's, you know, more power to him. He, he's looking for more playing time. 
at uh, his position, and and he's going to end up somewhere well, somewhere and uh, and do pretty well. Yeah, I mean he's he's been he's been passed on the depth chart. There's nothing to it. Same with uh, some of these other guys. Uh, C.J. Madden, I think, made it official today. Although we listed him yesterday or the day before, if I'm mistaken, but he put out a announcement today. So. All right, folks, uh, that's all the time we have for this week or for this emergency episode of UGA Sports Live. And I thank Jed for taking, I know he's got a million things to do, but I appreciate him jumping on with me. And we appreciate all of you for dropping your questions in there. Uh, We'll talk to you later, maybe when some more news breaks. We'll see you then.